Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. Today's podcast comes from our weekly Facebook Live broadcast called Weekday Chat. To tune in live and interact with us online, join us during your lunch on Facebook, Wednesdays at noon. Enjoy today's podcast. Uh, welcome back to uh, Weekday Chat. Happy Wednesday. This is where we like to meet with you midweek to talk about where we have been and where we are going. Uh, my name is Luke Proctor. I'm one of the ministers here on staff at PCC. And I'm Steve. We are glad that you've joined us. If you have any comments you'd like to share with us, any questions, put them in the comments below and shoot them our way. And we'll answer them while we're here live. Or if not, uh, certainly later, we're happy to engage you in any way we can. Luke had this amazing message Sunday that covered most of the book of Revelation, <laughs> and uh, only he could get by with that. I could never do what It only did took Sunday. about an hour to do it, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a little long. It was week, long, yeah. It? But it was so rich in so many ways. And primarily it boils down to, remember, Revelation is written to encourage those first century believers who were just en- enduring so much persecution, and, and yet God is also warning them. And... Uh, they were dealing with suffering, and, and God doesn't want them to fold in their suffering. And it's very easy when you're hurting and when you're being seduced by the evil one to uh, be, be, uh, be led astray under his uh, wily ways and what he does. And we always have to be alert as believers. So thanks for the great message, Luke. It's challenges. There's a lot to think about for this week. So we want to continue just kind of building on Sunday. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah. And so we talked about on Sunday how that we as the bride of Christ are in this waiting period, yes. this in-between period mm-hmm. after, you know, after Christ's first coming, but still waiting on his second coming. So as, as we wait, Steve, uh, how's your patience level? Are you good at waiting mm-hmm. on things? How does waiting play into our relationship with God? Well, you know, waiting is just a part of life, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody waits. There's nobody that doesn't have to wait on something. Some things are more urgent than others, and it seems that it's only in waiting well under the canopy of God's grace is that we learn that His grace is sufficient for us. It's one thing to believe that. It's one thing to say it and affirm it, but you don't really know until your life is tested mm-hmm. on, 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 on waiting for it. That's where we develop uh, a spirit of perse- perseverance and and depth in the Lord and a trust in Him that He is at work that He is He cares for me and if if we very easily we'll, uh, are, are praying about something we're anxious about and quickly will we will default to well, I guess God doesn't care He doesn't love me you know it shows that the the faith is just shallow right yeah and so obviously there are those things that we pray about that 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 aren't as they're weighty, but they don't demand a time element. Like you're praying for your kids to do well as they mature into adults. You're mm-hmm. praying for who they're going to marry. Things like that that are far-reaching. But then there are other things like health crises and a job loss suddenly or financial strain. That suddenly it's like, God, please, please show up. We need you. Mm-hmm. So in either case, waiting on the Lord is called for. Yeah, And... Um, you know, I, I've had to learn in prayer when I have had more urgent things, um, especially probably regarding my kids more than anything else or my grandkids, that I always have to come back to knowing God is good. Mm-hmm. He's for me. He's not against me. Um, he is, if he hasn't spared his own son for me, 
He's not going to withhold any good thing that I need. And I have to continually go back to that mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's rich, and I think you're right. Waiting on the Lord uh, is something that's commanded often in Scripture. Yes. It's just a spiritual discipline that helps to shape us and form us. The prophet Isaiah says that it's those who wait on the Lord who will renew their strength yes. and, you know, r- run, uh, you know. Soar on wings feet, with eagles. Yeah, yeah. Soar on wings with eagles. Feet will not grow weary. Walk and not grow faint. All those things. Uh, this last week, I, I helped lead a D group of uh, guys who are juniors in high school school here at the pier. Um, and one of my guys asked a really good question this week. He asked why God doesn't speak to us in an audible voice. Why does he, uh, you know, why, why, why doesn't he do that? And it was a really good question. And of mm-hmm. course, I'm not going to pretend to be God. I don't have all the answers. But I think part of it is that he wants us to learn to wait on him. And yes. he, he wants us to learn to be good listeners, you know, and he wants us to learn to seek his voice. Um, and, yeah. and, and in that, in that learning to listen and learning to wait, we do grow a patience and an endurance, just like any good parent, uh, doesn't give their child exactly what they want, exactly when they yeah. want it. That wouldn't be good for them, that God trains us and strengthens us in our faith as we learn to wait and learn to listen for him. And it just doesn't happen easily. Mm-hmm. It can't happen without, with this light, um, investment. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Paul says that he prayed three times for the thorn to be taken away, I think that means three great seasons of prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not very good at that. Yeah. You know, we say a prayer a couple of times in passing and expect God to answer. Right. It's not a desperate prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And even again, Paul didn't get what he prayed for. He, but God said, my no. grace is sufficient for and you. And that's what yeah. he learned, though. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. That's rich. Um, so, um, you can't read Revelation, not keep coming back to this theme of suffering over mm-hmm. and over because the, yeah. the persecution was intense. And every time this subject comes up in Scripture, when I have to preach or teach it, I just feel enormous guilt. <laughs> Me too. You know, yes. because what do I know about suffering? I, yeah. just, I don't know about suffering, not, not suffering for Christ. And I don't think God expects us to create it, mm-hmm. and yet it's... it's it just seems like it ought to be a natural part of, yeah. you know, of choosing to follow Jesus. So yeah. have you known people personally who have suffered for Christ? Yeah, you know, uh, not often in an American context, yes, you know, but certainly right. people overseas, friends in Africa, friends <clears throat> in Japan, things like that, who've often, uh, you know, when following Jesus means leaving behind their family or their community or their culture or being viewed as a foreigner and an outsider. You know, and those are big sacrifices that those people have made. And you're right, uh, it's we don't talk a ton about suffering uh, in our church because we don't have to. We're living in this fair still a fairly Christianized culture, you know, overall compared to a lot of cultures in the world. Um, And yet you can't read the New Testament without escaping it. Jesus talks about it over and over and over again. It's the core of the call that to to follow me is to deny yourself, to take up your cross. Um, And so so this call to follow him is, is a call to suffer. But I did talk to a man even earlier this week who was explaining to his family part of why he's living the way he's living. It's coming from his understanding of the Bible and uh, they honestly just think he's nuts, and they think he needs to see counseling, mm. and they don't mm. get it, and they think uh, that they think he's crazy for the way he's living. And you know, they haven't totally shunned him, but there is tension and drama in his family sure. because of his choice to stick to the Bible instead of the common cultural prevailing mm. beliefs. And I was, I grew in my respect for that man and hearing him him say that. What about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I the people that really have have demonstrated to me great faith in it. as people I've met outside of our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Many of us have traveled to Haus Edelweiss, a graduate school outside Vienna, Austria. And, and there, uh, you know, the students that come there from the Eastern European nations, Asian nations too. I mean, uh, there's one student that 
just his demeanor was off. And uh, when asked, you know, you seem troubled, he said, well, one of my pastor friends in my country's daughter was kidnapped and murdered because of the gospel being announced by her father. Hmm. And this particular student knew that when he got back to the border, everything he had on him would be confiscated uh, because of his faith. And he said at their table every day, their family sits there in their prayer and say, today we choose Christ. This is a reminder that he will be their choice. Elena was one of my students. She's from Uzbekistan. And, uh, you know, they can have one, one religious book, and they choose the Bible, of course. Mm. And they will tear the Bible apart and, and, and spread it among themselves and try to learn it as well as they can and hold it for a while. Then they come back and share it. And somebody watches the window all the time when they're meeting as a small group. And, you know, it's hard to fathom that. But, but even in our own church, we have, a, we have a lady here named Beth who years ago came out of traditional religion and came to an understanding of who Jesus is more deeply in a relationship with him. And she was immersed into Christ. And at that point, her parents cut her off. Uh, she, as far as I know, she's seen them once in like 25 years, only met their grandkids once because of this choice she made for Jesus. And you don't hear that very often, that kind of story, but that does happen in our culture. Wow. One man who was a member years ago, uh, he was uh, in retail, and he was, uh, as he was uh, guiding his employees, he, he, they just use the name of God in vain all the time. And he said, we will not have that language here. And they complained, and he lost his job because of his standard of speech for wow. being a follower of Jesus. Wow. So it does, it does happen. And I think sometimes, and I don't know what to do with all this. You, you remember the lady in, Fur, in northern Kentucky who refused to give a marriage license to a gay couple. And, um, you know, uh, she, I think she ended up, you know, uh, trying to sue the local government because they're making her do something against her conscience. In those kind of cases, I think, I think she was right not to give it out, but I think you pay the consequence for that, mm -hmm. that you just can't do that job. Yeah. You know, that's, but maybe I'm wrong in the mm. response of that, because we do have a legal system. Yeah. There is freedom of speech and freedom of ideas, so I, I'm not sure how to, how to land on that one. But it, just, it does bear the point that as we grow more into a de-Christianized or a post-Christian culture, mm -hmm. there will be more situations where we are going to be treated adversely because of our faith. Yeah. And I think for our children and grandchildren, they need to be prepared for that. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when we talk about suffering then, that's such a broad term. Could you help narrow it down a little bit for us? Like, what are we talking about when we talk about suffering? And if a person has never, you know, they don't feel like they've ever suffered for following Christ, what, what does yeah. that mean? Yeah, I, um, you know, Jesus said if we want to follow him, we have to, we have to pick up his cross and follow him. That means that we bear the same intensity as he does, mm -hmm. you know, for the world. Um, when we live for Christ... And because of our standards, you know, there will be many times that, for instance, we could be overlooked. I've known people overlooked for a promotion mm -hmm. because of their Christian standards or not included in gatherings because of their faith. Now, that's our culture. You know, and our, it really, to be honest, I don't think anywhere in our culture we come close to anything uh, that what we read about in the New Testament, that culture. We just don't because of our Christian roots, our Christian heritage as a nation in general. But things are changing. Mm. 
So there are small ways where, 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 like what the example you chose, where somebody's distance because of their faith, not included, not chosen for a certain organization, a certain job, um, uh, Christian principles to be lived at work, or even speaking about your faith at work. You know, Christ commands us to share mm-hmm. our faith, you know, and when, when, we, when we're told you cannot or lose your job, what do you do in that situation? So there yeah. are different ways. Yeah. Yeah. There is suffering. It's just we have a long way to go yeah. before the intensity is there, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any help yeah. with this? I'm so humbled by the accounts of the early Christians, the apostles in Acts, you know, and over and over again, they're told to stop preaching yes. about Jesus, and they just keep on going anyway, and they get taken in, and they get beaten, and it says that they leave, and they left rejoicing that they were considered worthy to suffer yes. for his name. Yeah. And so if we haven't suffered, and I often feel this in talking about this, like, what have I suffered for following yes, Jesus? Right. I mean, sure, I try to lay down my life and take up my cross in being patient and serving and those kinds of things, but that's not like a really true intense <sighs> suffering like I'm reading about. And maybe, maybe if we are not experiencing suffering, then at some level, like, we're not living up to the standard yet that we're being called to live to, because Christ calls us to be salt and to be light in the world. And so if we are not experiencing a reaction, perhaps that means we're not living salty enough lives, you know? And and that is a, a I don't have a hard and firm answer for that for you, but I do think that's something that we're called to wrestle through. Um I'm I'm so I'm amazed by hearing about what's happening in China right now. I don't know how familiar you are with the Christian movement sweeping through China, but um, it is astounding. I mean, tens and tens of millions of believers coming to know the Lord in China. Yes. Uh, some researchers saying that even by the year 2050, which is not that far away, China could be a Christian majority nation. That is mind-boggling. Yes. Yes. And this movement of underground house churches. Um, are, are committed to this kind of living. Francis Chan tells a story of he met with one of the leaders of this movement of house churches, and he said that they have they have five core pillars, five core elements that they build their church around. Uh, the first one is prayer, and we'd say, yeah, absolutely, we agree with that. Second one is the word of God. Cool, us too. Third one is sharing the gospel. Yep, absolutely, we're on board with that. The fourth pillar is an expectation of miracles. I, wow. I think that's pretty amazing that they pray and that they lean into the Holy Spirit's power in such a way that they expect him to work miracles among them. I think we could be challenged by that. But the fifth one just slays me. It says the fifth pillar they build their church around is to embrace suffering, that they recognize that when wow. they are called, that when they're living out their calling to be salt and light in this hostile world, that they're going to embrace suffering and that whether or not they're suffering is a litmus test of their faithfulness to Christ. And so I think that's something we genuinely need to soul search about. Want to move to China? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I've got it. <laughs> I, I need something like that to so, uh, move me more deeply, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, boy, you, can, you, just feel, you just feel like you. there's part of me that feels like I know nothing about the gospel, you know, when I hear those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I can be a great whiner. That's my spiritual gift, really. It really Whining. is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, Revelation 9.20 uh, it, it, it's been speaking about the plagues and all the all the, the the pain coming to the world. You know, God uses pain to get our attention, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he even wants to use COVID nineteen to alert people to their spiritual need. Mm-hmm. I don't sense that's happening necessarily at all. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish that were happening, but maybe that's yet to come. But Revelation nine twenty says the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons, the idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Mm. God 
permits all kinds of pains in our lives to get our attention, right? Mm -hmm. To wake us up to himself and our need for him. Um, So, what does this tell us about people in general? What's it tell us about God? What's it tell us about, what's the so what of this verse? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of you probably know this from your own story, that it sometimes takes a crisis or a problem to wake you up, you know, to shake you out of your stupor of just kind of stumbling around your day-to-day routine. We talked about on Sunday, just like you said, that sometimes God allows suffering to prompt awakening, that the point of these plagues was not to destroy all these people yet, but to give them another chance to wake them up and come to God. And that reveals the heart of God. First Timothy, Paul says that God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so uh, it's part of our job then to pray for people that God would wake them up and do absolutely whatever it takes to wake them up. It's also our job to tell these people that, uh, as Steve, you're going to preach about on Sunday, hell is real, judgment is real, it is coming, and the most loving thing that we can do for these people is to give them that truth. So. Yeah, we, we, we've just got to learn to be bold. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know we have to be gentle as well. But in that gentleness, there's got to be this boldness as we recognize Christ is coming back. Mm-hmm. And hell is real, and real people go there. In our families, in your families, in our neighborhoods, our schools, and we have to see people as eternal beings. And I, I fear that we just don't really believe that, mm-hmm. that somehow God is too nice to do what he's going to do, but he's made it very clear, right? Absolutely. And so we want to have a broken heart for the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, uh, Steve, you have a good message prepared for Sunday. It's a hard one uh, for hard this message. week, but we ask yes. that you would come back and hear it. This is a truth that we all need uh, to live in. So come join us this week. We'll be excited to see you then. Until then, God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.